Anybody ever um, given you something, uh, a great gift that you feel like you just did not deserve? Anybody given you a gift like that, like just an extravagant gift, and you just like, wow. I, uh, I have, how many of you have random thoughts at times? Like randomly random thoughts. Yeah, that's me. I, I, for whatever reason, that came to my head just a second ago. And uh, I was thinking about uh, when I was a kid, I remember receiving a, an Atari. Anybody know what an Atari is? Yeah. Anyways, I don't really have any point in telling you that. I was just thinking, <laughs> I told you it was pretty random uh, about that. And you didn't deserve it. I didn't deserve it. That's right. No, but really what I was thinking about it was when, when someone has ever given you a, an extravagant gift and you, you ever feel like you're just in debt to them and then like our egos and our pride, we don't like to be in debt to someone, do we, right? We wanna, we're going to pay them back if we could or whatever. Um, and that random thought I had was to think that as we were singing there worshiping, I desire for you, I long for you. Why would we desire for God and why would we long for God? Because the truth is, He has given us the greatest gift. It's a lot, lot better than an Atari. And, and it lasted a long time. A lot longer than an Atari. Um, there's another random thought in my head I'm trying to debate whether to say it or not. I'll finish this thought first. The... Uh, that feeling of being in debt to someone and, and how it makes you react towards them and maybe think good thoughts toward them or just you want to bless them back. And I wonder sometimes why that doesn't daily transfer in our life to the Lord. Because every day we should wake up with that thought, wow, the extravagant gift of grace I don't deserve and I owe, I owe God a debt. We owe God a debt, don't we? And, and that thought of living for Him, desiring, desiring Him. And um, my random other thought was not spiritual at all. I was thinking about that Atari and being mad at my mother. There, if I tell the story, Mom. She didn't know what the story is. She got addicted to, to Pac-Man. Anybody else addicted to Pac-Man? Pac-Man? Got a few. Raise your hand. It's open confession. All right. But, and that was, that was one thing. I mean, she stayed up till 3 in the morning playing Pac-Man. And she, you know the Atari, the black little handle, and her hand would be black from the, the Atari. This is greatness. But, what, but, but the bad part was she beat my record. It just made me mad. So there's, there's the real confession. All right, so that has nothing to do with tonight. You guys, uh, I already had several of you uh, um, encouraging tonight that there were two papers back there with small print, double-sided, like we are in for a treat tonight. Oh, boy. And, uh, and then I also was told that if I got, out, got us out at 7.15 tonight, that there would be extra money in my birthday card. So we're going to hurry up tonight. Now, the, the one uh, that, that says doctrinal statement on the top that's, uh, that's got some color on it, orange and blue, I think, uh, that one, 
Uh, we're not going over that tonight. That's just for your pleasure reading. But really, I just want to give that to you. We, we have the, that uh, in our uh, membership booklet when we go through our new members class. This is what we go over. It's really a, a pretty brief overview of the doctrinal position of the church. Uh, and a lot of these, as you would look at that, are things that we've been spending 12 weeks going over. Uh, it's amazing to me. Um, you know, Nathan did a lot of work getting this outline for us and, and some sub- subject matter for us to go over. Um, and yet, in 12 weeks, to think of trying to, in, in one week, like today, I have uh, the, the task of going over salvation and to, to unpack all of what salvation means in a week is pretty much impossible, let alone to do it. We got 30 minutes to get my extra bonus for, for tonight. But um, I, I want to say I appreciate Nathan, all the work. He did a great job uh, last week teaching and uh, a huge subject that he uh, very well unpacked for us in a short amount of time over the Trinity. Um, and so next week, though, next week we're going to be in here, but we're going to take a week break from our doctrinal study. And next week the kids have been working all summer on their musical and so show up and support them and listen to them. They're going to do a great job for us. And so that'll be next uh, Wednesday night. Um, all right, so let's get into this, uh, the salvation, uh, as we're going to unpack it. And, and um, uh, on the 29th of August, just kind of giving you commercials coming up, uh, Pastor Dave is going to have a second week on salvation and spend a little more um, now, he'll have a little leeway maybe to change this, but what it says now is uh, on adoption and then also on the assurance of salvation or in eternal security. So we're not going to cover that, really those two aspects tonight, uh, but we're going to cover up, we're going to cover a lot of material. And so you have your uh, paper there. We're going to start, obviously, with the side that has the date on it where it says foundations. And so to kind of um, talk about salvation, I really just wanted to look at three different words um, that are somewhat interchangeable for salvation, that entail what salvation is, and that will help us understand uh, maybe uh, in a little more depth what salvation is. I, I don't think that anything we're going to go over tonight is going to be, maybe, I don't think it's going to be anything completely new to you, but maybe uh, going over all together, kind of maybe draw some things together for you that maybe have been fuzzy. So the first word we're going to look at is atonement. Atonement, right? And so there's, a, there's the, the, the dictionary definition of atonement, reparation for a wrong or injury. Um, and if you were like me, I, I, I you know, Google search definition for atonement, that definition came up, and then I had to Google search the definition for reparation because I had no idea what, I, mean, I kind of had an idea what it meant. I think it's a little bit older term. I don't think we use that word anymore. How many of you know what reparation what it means, all right? So about 30% of you in here and a few of these. Um, so reparation means the making of amends for a wrong one has done. So a simple way of saying that is making amends. And a lot of times it would deal in the area of money, making an amends through money. Uh, but making amends for a wrong one has done. So atonement is reparation for a wrong or injury. Then reparation is the making of amends a long one is done. And I love this, just kind of this concise statement I'll read for you about atonement. So it says, prior to Jesus' birth, an angel told his, his earthly father, Joseph, that he was to name the baby in Mary's womb, Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. This is in Matthew 1.21. Jesus did save his people from their sins, both through the life and the death he died. 
The work Jesus did in living and dying to earn our salvation is sometimes or is referred to as this word atonement. So the, the life he lived and the death he died for, our, for atonement, all right? So here's just as we walk through this, the necessity of atonement. The necessity of atonement. So uh, why do we need, why is there an, uh, a need for us to be atoned or for atonement to take place? And, and so the easy answer is, what's the one word easy answer? Sin, right? You are a sinner, right? And I also am a sinner because of sin. Because, and so here's a, a definition of sin that I think, you know, any, we, we could, anything that doesn't bring honor and glory to God, but any failure to conform to the moral law of God in act, in attitude, or in nature. So we think about these definition, this definition of atonement. Atonement is a reparation for something that's been wronged or for someone who's been wronged. Um, reparation then is making amends for what has been wronged. Okay, are you tracking with me? Shake your head, yes. So we think about it in those terms. Who was wronged? God was wronged. Who wronged God? Mankind did because we, we sinned, right? And so because of our sin, we have wronged God. In order for there to be an amends made for our wrongdoing, there has to be atonement. And who provided the atonement? Jesus, all right? So that's the necessity of atonement. The easy answer is, the reason is because we sin, right? And we understand that um, all have what? Sin, right? We've all sinned. Um, and some of you multiple times, right? Every day. I almost sinned twice today. But anyways, first, the, the one we all know is Romans 3.23, right? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, right? And so here on your outline, there's a few more. First Kings 8.46, when they sin against you. In parentheses there, it says, For there is no one who does not Sin. There's not, it's not leaving much opportunity or openness for anyone to be sinless, does it? All have sinned. Psalms 14, verse 3. They have all turned aside. They have together become corrupt. There, was, there is no one who does good. No, not one. You know, so kind of uh, humanistic philosophy is that we, we're all by nature pretty good. And by nature, and what Scripture teaches is by nature we're pretty What? Bad. We're sinners, right? By nature, we really aren't pretty good. Okay, and 1 John 1, 8, again on your outline there, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us, all right? So uh, if you say you're, you're not a sinner, you're a what? A liar, a liar right? So then thus you are a sinner. sinner. You guys are so smart tonight. This is amazing. Great teaching. Great teaching, that's right. So because we have sinned, and we've all sinned, Sinners need a what? A Savior. Good. It could have been a lot of answers. I was looking for Savior. Cliff gets an A for the evening. Thank you, Cliff. And so this next part I'm going to just go over real quickly is, is on that secondary sheet I gave you. We don't need to look there. Um, it's also on all these. Uh, I just pulled one out of my pocket. These cards, that, these tent invite cards that we encourage you to go out. And it has the gospel presentation right there, right? That I'm going to admit to God, uh, admit to God you're a sinner, Romans 3.23, believe and receive forgiveness from Christ, confess your faith in Christ, 
And so those are things that we have to do in order to receive or to get our sins atoned for, what we've wronged God in. And we talked um, two weeks ago about um, why God had to punish sin. Because you, you remember in the, in the garden, He told Adam and Eve, don't eat of this tree, and if you eat, you shall surely what? Die, Die right? Um, and because God is just, and because God is righteous, which we talked about a few weeks ago, He had to punish sin. He had to keep His word, didn't He? He had to, to uh, be just. And, but, but God is also, we, again, we talked about this two weeks ago, God is love. And so in uh, the atonement, sacrifice of Christ, God affirmed not only that He was righteous and just, but He also affirmed that He is what? Love. And so John 3.16, for God so loved, right? And so He affirmed both that He is a loving God, but He's also a righteous God. Um, and so the necessity of atonement, the easy answer here really is that we're sinners and, and we need a Savior. Uh, the second one there, walking down uh, this sheet of paper, the nature of atonement. Uh, and so Christ um, lived almost a sinless life. Is that correct or false? Right? He was completely sinless, right? There was no sin in him. Him who knew no sin became sin for for us, for me, right? And he was had to be sinless in order to make an atonement for our sins. In order to correct the wrong that sin had brought, in order to make an amends, if we're going back to that definition of reparation, in order to make amends, Christ had to be perfect. That had to be a perfect sacrifice. And that's why Paul said in Romans 5.19, this is on your outline here, For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many will be made Righteous, And so through the obedience of Christ and the perfect life of Christ, He became the perfect sacrifice so that He could make an atonement for our sins. And again, we, our sins are not atoned for because of how good we are, right? Anybody, anybody good enough in here to deserve your sins to be atoned for? No. I mean, if you've committed one sin, then no, right? Philippians 3.9 says this, and, and be found in Him, not having mine own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. So this atonement that we receive through Christ is by faith. All right, we're going to talk about that again in a minute. All right, so the nature of atonement. Let's look at number three. The result of atonement. Remember what I said earlier in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. When the angel came to Joseph and, and told him that he was, Mary was going to have a baby, they're going to name him Jesus, he said he will save his people from their sins. And so Jesus paid a penalty that who was supposed to pay? Me and you, right? Uh, he bore the wrath of God. We just sang that in that song. The wrath of God was poured on him. Who was God's wrath supposed to be poured onto? Us. Because we're what? Sinners, right? He overcame the separation of sin of, of God for us. Sin separates us from God, and the atonement through Christ brings us back into relationship and fellowship with God. And He also freed us from the bondage of sin. I love this verse, and it's on your outline. This is the New Living Translation. 
Uh, Colossians 1.13 says, For He has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His dear Son. What a great exchange. Do you see what it's saying there? We went from, uh, from darkness to His marvelous light, what First Peter would say. Or, or if you want to read Ephesians chapter 2, it would, it would have several different uh, ways of putting that. That we were once far off, we have been brought near. We were aliens and strangers, and now we are, are citizens. Uh, we did not have a family, we were orphans, now we are children of God. Isn't that a great exchange? And, and what did you do to deserve that exchange? Nada, Nada right? Nothing. You didn't do anything. For He has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us in the kingdom of His dear Son. All right? Hebrews 10.4 For it is not possible that blood of bulls and goats could take away the sins. Hebrews 9.12 Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with His own blood He entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal... It's a great word there, isn't it? Eternal redemption. It was a once-for-all sacrifice. All the sacrifices, the thousands and thousands of sacrifices in the Old Testament system, and yet Jesus came, lived a perfect sinless life to make amends for our sin, our wrongdoing, our offense to God. The once-for-all, this word here he used, eternal redemption, an eternal sacrifice. The next verse, Hebrews 9.26 he then would have to had suffered often since the foundation of the world, but now, once at the end of ages, he has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. So, recap this atonement. It's reparation for a wrong injury. What's reparation? It's making amends for a wrong. In other words, the atonement of Christ is his payment for our freedom. I mean, think about the Atari again, right? I was stoked about the Atari. I still feel pretty good about that Atari. And it doesn't, there's no way to even, it shouldn't be in the same subject. I shouldn't be bringing it up in the same subject matter as what Christ gave us. To pay the payment to atone for my offense to God. My sins, because I'm a sinner, I offended a holy, righteous God. And Jesus came in on my behalf and made amends for that offense. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? And, 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 and guess what I'm wrestling with, even again, I, I hadn't thought about this all day, but as I was sitting there singing that song, is that, is my heart's desire really, we sang that, this is really my heart's desire. And, and it seems like it should be easy, doesn't it? I mean, when you really stop and think about just this one word, atonement, that, that my offense to God, caught, what I deserve is death, eternal separation from God, and yet Christ hung on a cross to make atonement, to make amends for my offense. Doesn't it, maybe I'm just wrestling with myself and you guys are just looking at me like you're an idiot, but... Doesn't it seem like it should be easier for us to appreciate who God is and what He did for us? Do you feel like that on some levels, daily, you take advantage of what you've been given? Or maybe you're just not grateful enough for what you've been given? 
Okay, good. I'm glad you're struggling with me too. I was feeling really bad. All right, so atonement, the, the next word, justification. The only way I, re, I remember uh, having this word defined a long time ago was just as if I'd never sinned. Justification, just as if I'd never sinned. But here's the definition, the acting of declaring or making righteous in the sight of God. So justification is a legal declaration by God. You ever had to stand before a judge and make a plea guilty or not guilty? Anybody ever had to do that? You don't want to raise your hand in here, right? <laughs> Just a traffic ticket, right? I remember standing before the judge when I was about 13 and having to plead guilty or not guilty. They read the charges and I was like, oh, wow, I'm bad. I got to make a choice. I could have said not guilty and it could have been to, you know, gone to trial and all that stuff, but I knew I was guilty. And you know, what the, you know what the judge's name was? Lord. His last name was Lord. I stood before the Lord as a 14-year-old, and I pleaded guilty. I should have known. It's a legal declaration by God that says this. Number one, thinks of our sin as forgiven and thinks of Christ's righteousness as belonging to us. Think about that. When you give your life to Christ and, and justification is placed on you, when God looks at you, He doesn't see your offense anymore. He sees the righteousness of Christ. He doesn't see your righteousness because guess how much righteousness you have? Zero. Paul said his righteousness, how did he describe it? It's filthy rags. He uses another word we won't talk about, right? But it's his filthy rags. And so this idea of declaring you righteous, not guilty, and he looks at you and he doesn't see your sin and your offense. He sees the righteousness of Christ on you. Therefore, so the rest of that says, therefore, number two, he declares us to be just or morally righteous in his sight. Not guilty. Now, when I stood before Judge Lord and de declared myself guilty, I would love to stand before you and say that he declared me not guilty. But he did not. I spent about six months figuring that out, right? I'll let you guys wonder about that. <laughs> but Jesus, the Lord, God, when I come to Jesus by faith, he declares me not guilty. Am I really not guilty? I'm guilty. I'm a sinner. Does he see my righteousness and my good works? He sees the righteousness of Christ. Clothed in his righteousness. The, the old song said, right? Romans 3.26 To demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he might be just, we talked about that already, and the justifier of the one who has what? Faith in Jesus. So how do I get this atonement? How do I get the declaration of justification not guilty? I place my faith in Jesus Christ. The one who is just and who is the justifier. But it says here, who's he the justifier of? Not, not everybody. He's justifier of those who have what? Placed their faith in Jesus. 
Romans 5.1 then goes on to say, Therefore, having been justified by what? Faith. Not by my works. Not because I'm good enough. I'm justified by faith. We have peace with God through Jesus Christ. Galatians 2.16 Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we have, been, have believed in Christ Jesus that we might be justified by what? Faith. Faith in Christ, not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh is what? Justified. I cannot be declared guilty. Uh, uh, I cannot be declared not guilty because I'm good enough. Those scriptures are very clear, aren't they? God is just, and He's the justifier of those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ. Do you understand the importance of placing your faith in Jesus Christ? For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever what? Believes and places their faith in Jesus, they can have eternal life. Okay, so we have atonement, which is reparation for a wrong or injury or, or to make amends. Justification, the act or the action of declaring or making righteous in the sight of God. And then the last one here is redemption. Redemption. The action of saving or being saved from sin, error, or evil. You've probably figured out by now these words are somewhat synonyms for the other word. Look at the benefits. These are benefits not only of redemption, but they're, re- they're benefits of atonement and they're benefits of justification which is all under the category of salvation, right? Here's the benefits. Eternal life. Forgiveness of sins. Righteousness. Again, we're clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Freedom from the law's curse. Adoption into God's family. Deliverance from sin's bondage. Peace with God. And the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Salvation's a pretty awesome deal, isn't it? Like, it's, it's all these things that you didn't have to pay for. It's, it's the greatest gift you've ever been given. Amen. So this word redeems, uh, redeem or redemption brings with it this idea of to be uh, or to buy out or to purchase. Or another word maybe that we could use is, is ransom. To be bought out. To be paid for. To be bought back. It's actually a term that would have been used um, with a, a person who was in slavery. And to be redeemed would be to be purchased out of slavery. And so you understand why that word was used when you think about we are slaves to sin and we are slaves to darkness and to Satan until we are what? Redeemed and purchased. Okay, so let's read a few verses here. Galatians 3.13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. Right? Again, this, the next two verses deal more with this idea of, of a ransom. Matthew 20, 28. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life a what? A ransom. His life for yours. He, he got the bad end of the deal there, didn't he? A ransom. His life for yours. 1 Timothy 2 for there is one God and one mediator between God and man, that man, the man, Christ Jesus. Verse 6, who gave himself a what? Ransom. Ransom for all. Again, his life 
for my life. Is that fair in any way, shape, or form? Like we talked about this Sunday, right? That I'm glad God's not fair with me. Amen. You remember as a kid crying, it's not fair, it's not fair. And, and the truth is, what we get through Christ is not fair. It wasn't fair to Jesus either, was it? He, he hung on the cross because of me. He hung on the cross because of my sins. Because he loved me. He was willing to take the bad end of the stick, right? For, for me. Colossians 1.14. What, what are we bought with? What are we redeemed by? It's his blood in it. In him we have redemption. Through his what? Blood. The forgiveness of sins. Your life was, was worth it to him. His blood for your life. We'll read this statement here. The streets of heaven will be filled with former captives who through no merit of their own find themselves redeemed, forgiven, and free. Slave to sin have become saints. No wonder we sing a new no wonder we will sing a new song, a song of praise to the redeemer who was slain. We were slaves to sin, condemned to eternal separation from God. Jesus paid the price to redeem us, resulting in our freedom from slavery to sin and our rescue from the eternal consequences of that sin. Salvation is, is pretty amazing, isn't it? What is this in reference to? And, and so in John's vision, Revelation chapter 5, verse 9, he gives us a picture of what heaven's going to be like. He says, Revelation 5, 9, there on your outline, and they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open the seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Isn't that going to be an amazing event when we're all together from every tribe, tongue, and nation and we'll be standing in the very presence of the Lord? And we will be singing a new song to Him. Are you looking forward to that day? Amen. I, I think of uh, the most amazing, and, and I hate to use this word, but I'm going to experience you've ever had in a worship setting. When I uh, define worship setting in, in this point, for this illustration of in a church setting possibly, singing together, you ever felt just like you felt the very presence of God right there in that room? Amen. And, and that moment, that emotion, that feeling, it, it won't even compare to what John is describing here when we stand before the Lord. Be, because the reality is we are still sinners. And we really can't worship God to, to what He deserves. We can't really give glory to His name that He deserves. When we enter into His presence and we have a glorified body, can you imagine what it's going to be like? Can we worship God more than we do here? Can we live with a greater understanding and appreciation for what salvation is to us? I think for a lot of us, it's been so long ago that we sometimes, the familiarity of what being a Christian is, 
it, it kind of loses that emotion of God gave me salvation. And all I had to do was place my faith in Christ. I didn't have to live up to a standard. He did it for me. And so I hope the challenge for us every day is that we would walk in gratefulness for the gift of Christ. Aren't you thankful for Christ? Would you pray with me this evening? God, we thank you for this night. Lord, we thank you for salvation. Lord, again, what a great reminder as we walk through Scripture that we don't deserve it. You freely give it to us. We're reminded this evening of the price that was paid that Jesus hung on a cross. By His stripes, we've been healed. Lord, help us strive, Lord, every day to live in a spirit of gratefulness and worship. And Lord, as we do that, people will, will, will see you in us. And may we have the opportunity and may we take the opportunity to share with them the greatest gift, Jesus. Lord, bless us as we're dismissed. In Instagram we pray. Amen.